NHL All-Star Weekend is here, and Pat and I are going to preview that, plus take a look at how Sidney Crosby missed the NHL All-Star Draft in the most Sidney Crosby way possible. That's coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. You can follow him on Twitter at Center for Wet. And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your best bet of $5 or more wins, all you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So, Pat, we've made it to the end of the week, and that means it is All-Star Weekend for the NHL. The skills competition gets underway on Friday night. We'll get to that in just a second. And then the All-Star game is on Saturday. You'll have two teams going up against each other for two games. And then the winner of those two games will play in the quote unquote final. There is for this game, you have team McDavid, team McKinnon, team Matthews and team Hughes. In terms of the penguins for this show, of course, Cindy Crosby was picked number one overall by guess who Nathan McKinnon, because of course their bromance has to continue. That was awesome. But when I look at these four teams in general and yes, people, I understand. The NHL All-Star game in general is not very fun to watch. I think you have to be a massive sicko to watch all these games. I myself am a huge sicko, so I'm going to be tuning in. Pat is going to be the same, and I'm sure a lot of you listening to this are going to be the same. But if you don't tune in, I'm not going to blame you because I know these games are very boring. But when I look up and down these rosters, it's hard not to see Team McDavid as the favorite to win this. You have obviously Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor Hellebuck, David Pasternak, Rasmus Dahlin, Robert Thomas, Sam Reinhardt, who's been a beast this year, Tomas Hurdle, Nick Suzuki. If this team doesn't win, I'd honestly kind of be a little surprised. It feels like that team is a little too stacked, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we were talking before we hit record that, you know, it's hard to pick against Team McDavid. You look at that roster, but then... You know, you kind of start looking at the rest of the rosters and it'll be a little bit more competitive than I think we expect. I mean, Team McKinnon's funny just because his first pick was Sid, but there's still some talent there. You've got Kirill Kaprizov, Sebastian Ajo. In net, you've got Jeremy Swayman, who's been pretty darn good. The funniest thing to me is that they're... McKinnon might be a psycho because look at some of the names he's got Sid playing with. He's got Tom Wilson with him. He's got... Travis Konechny with them. So caps and flyers are going to be sitting there on the roster with them. So might be a total sicko for that one. But the other team is obvious the, to keep an eye on is team Matthews, because you've got the four Leafs on that team. And regardless of how you feel about the Toronto Maple Leafs this season, everybody on that roster is really good from the Leafs with obviously Austin Matthews. Then you have Morgan Riley, William Nylander, and then, uh, that in Mitch Marner, because those four are just absolutely awesome. Like, I don't think, and I, I don't want to turn this into a love fest for the Leafs, but I don't think Morgan Riley gets nearly the love he deserves. He's one of the better defensemen in the league. And you would think playing on the Toronto Maple Leafs, we'd hear all about him, but we rarely do. So that's another really good team. And then obviously you have team Hughes, which 
They've got probably the best goalie in the league right now in Thatcher Demko. And then Nikita Kucherov, who has been just maybe the best player on earth this season. Yeah. I think for me, because Team Hughes and Team Matthews are going to be playing each other in that first game. And then you'll have Team McDavid versus Team McKinnon. I'm going to take Team McDavid to win that first one. And I think I'm going to actually lean Team Hughes to meet that team in the final. I know you're pretty big on Team Matthews. And I mean, you're right. They have all the least players on the team. Jake Ottinger is one of the best goalies in the league. Clayton Keller has been great this year. Matt Barzell. But man, I look at Team Hughes. I mean, Quinn Hughes has been one of the best defense in the league. Pedersen's been amazing. Kucherov, I think, has been the best player in the league this year, though you can easily make an argument for Nathan McKinnon. Kyle Connor has been great. Brady Kachuk is playing well on a bad team. Jesper Bratt. Brock Besser has been awesome. JT Miller. Frank Vetrano. I just like that team a little more, just a little more than Team Matthews. Obviously, I might get old takes exposed, but that's who I have in the final for this one. But moving on a little bit to the skills competition, Pat, that's what I think a lot of people come to this weekend for because, you know, the games, they're fine and people watch them. But I think more people watch the skills competition at this point compared to the All-Star game. And, you know, the skills competition, it's a bit different this year, which I think is going to make it a little more fun to watch. I felt like the last couple of years, it was just getting a bit boring. No one was really having fun with it. But this year, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. You have round one and each player that participates in it is going to compete in four of six events, whether that's fastest skater, hardest shot, Stick handling, one-timers, passing challenge, and accuracy shooting. I think those are by far the best ones to include. Uh, those have always been my favorite, at least to watch growing up. And then the top eight point earners from round one combined, even though they're not going to be participating in all of them, they will advance to the seventh event, which is NHL one-on-one. Each player that advances will choose the goalie they will shoot against. And then following that shootout, the top six point earners will advance to the final round, which is an obstacle course where the point totals are doubled. And then the winner gets a boatload of money. So this is going to be quite a a lot of fun to watch. Again, I know it's All-Star Weekend. It's not the greatest thing in the world, but I would still rather watch the skills competition compared to the All-Star Games in general. I do think the format this year looks a lot better compared to recent years. And again, for the first time in quite a while, I'm actually excited to see how the players do because, you know, obviously they're going to goof off. They're going to have fun with it, but they're bringing back competitions that a lot of fans have liked for so many years. That's what you got to do for something like this. You don't want to, I guess, bombard the players with too many weird things like you did last year where there were some events that just didn't make any sense. Just bring back the OG events that people like watching and people will obviously tune in. And that's exactly what they did for this year. If you're not going to lean into the absurdity of the skills competition and have go for, you know, we all remember uh, Evgeny Malkin putting the hat, sunglasses and water bottle on Ovechkin we remember last year when Crosby and Ovechkin teamed up for the little breakaway with Ovi's son. If you're not going to lean into having fun with it and being silly, make it a competition. And that's what they did this year. Million dollars on the line for it. Obviously not everybody is participating. Sid is not going to be a part of it. Right. They have a set roster for this. It's not all of the all-star participants. So I like the fact that they are leaning into making it a competition and not just here, we're going to screw around for three hours and all go home. And there was also that so, event last year where a player, if you hit with the puck, the player gets dunked in water, right? I forget what the name of that event was, but no one really cared about it. And it's just like, don't bring those type of events to the skills competition. I get you wanted to try something new, but just bring back events that you know people enjoy. 
Yeah, and that's pretty much what they did. I mean, you have fastest skater, hardest shot, accuracy shooting, passing, and and that's the stuff that people want to see because you always look back at the guys like Shea Weber who would always hit 100-plus miles an hour slap shot, and those would always be fun to watch. And then you'd want to see the accuracy shooting to see, like, okay, who's going to go four for four and do it fast? And then, then the breakaway thing, I like the added element that you can pick the goalie you want to shoot on so you can see, like, okay, like, how are these guys, the, the eight guys who are left at the end here, how are they going to try to advance themselves to win that million dollars? Because, again, making it a competition makes it more fun. Now, broadly, the thing I want to say about the skills competition, the all-star game in general, and I disagree with this as an overall tactic by the NHL, but I understand what they do with stuff like the all-star game, the winter classic, and the stadium series is – they are fun events, and obviously us diehards are going to watch them. We're going to tune in and watch it because we love hockey, and it's what we do. But they make these events more about the city that they're in in a celebration for that city than they do for growing the sport, which I think is misguided because when you have unique events like a Winter Classic, like a skills competition and an All-Star Weekend, it should be a celebration of the sport itself in a way to grow the game. And they just don't seem to want to do that anymore. I understand, you know, hockey is arguably the best live event in all of sports. It's, it's significantly better in person than it is on TV and it's still great on TV, but they should use these weekends to put some of the biggest names at the forefront and really promote the hell out of it and say like, this is one of our best weekends. This is why you should watch hockey similar to what we're going to talk about in the next segment with the Olympics, where you tell people like, Hey, did you enjoy watching this guy, that guy? Well, guess what? 82 nights a year, you can watch that guy and his team. And then you have the NA, the Stanley Cup playoffs, which everybody across all sports tells you that's the best playoffs in all of sports. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think even outside of the all-star game and even the Olympics, which we're going to get to in just a second, I feel like the NHL has really struggled with marketing their top players for quite a while. It's something that they've just never gotten good at. And I agree with you. It needs to change, but they are going to be marketing their players overseas because the NHL is officially going back to the Olympics in 2026 and 2030. Thank God. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But before that, we got to tell you all about FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snack and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. And not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers you can join today and you will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. L. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. So outside of All-Star Weekend being this weekend, the NHL announced some massive news regarding best-on-best international competition. They are going back to the Olympics in 2026 and 2030. This will be the first time the NHL will send its players to the Olympics since 2014. Can you believe that, by the way? Ten years ago, man. That's just crazy. I mean, I remember 
Canada was playing the U.S. I was a sophomore in high school, and it's funny. They were playing that game while I was in English class, and I was begging my teacher to put the game on after we finished our assignments, and she actually did, and I was just pacing back and forth like a madman. And that's just – that's what Olympic hockey is all about. You're cheering on your country. It's such high stakes. You get so nervous, and I'm so excited that the league is going back. Now, granted, there is a non-zero chance that Gary Bettman could back out because, let's face it, Gary Bettman is not that good of a commissioner in the NHL. But for right now, there is an agreement in place to send the NHL players to the Olympics, and this is going to be awesome, man, because for Team USA right now, this is going to be the best Team USA of my lifetime. And I know I'm only 26. I'm going to be 27 this year, I think. By the time they play this tournament in 2026, I'm going to be almost 30, which is crazy to even think about. But this will be, I think, the best USA hockey team I've ever seen. And you can look at the talent that they'll have. Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Jack Hughes, Jake Gensel, Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, Jason Robertson. Their top pairing could be Quinn Hughes and Adam Fox. I mean, I'm just... It's gorgeous to think about that type of team. And then in goal, you can go to either Jake Gottinger, you can go to Connor Hellebuck. You can go to Jeremy Swayman, Thatcher Demko. They have an edge in goal, I think, over almost every team in that tournament, especially over Canada. And I know Canada's very stacked at forward and on defense, but in goal, I'll take Team USA's goalies every time. But to see the Olympics coming back, it's honestly a dream come true, at least for the players going back to the Olympics, I should say. That is a dream come true for me. It is. It, I, I know everybody loves the 1980 team and in the story of it of oh it was college guys but this is the every four year best on best tournament you you don't go to the olympics because you have a sport as a hobby you don't it's it's now the best athletic competition on the planet so you want to send your best players from your your country's program and i mean you look at team usa man like you 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 beat me to the punch the biggest difference is going to be goaltending because you have those three as your top three, Hellebuck, Demko, Ottinger. And I mean, how do you counter that? It's really difficult because those three, Hellebuck's been great for a long time. Demko's finally coming into his own as an elite goaltender in the NHL. And despite some struggles recently, Ottinger is still very, very good. And then you just look at the center depth alone. Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel, Dylan Larkin, Tage Thompson, and you, and then you know that doesn't get into a couple other guys that might get a snub like JT Miller, and then, I mean, you're right. This is the best that it's looked in a really long time. And while obviously you're going to have your Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, even Sidney Crosby, like I still would take Team USA at the Olympics at this point, and it would not be like a 2010 kind of team where you look at it and go, well. A lot of talent there, but like they're just a good cohesive unit. Because if you remember, the 2010 team was good, but it wasn't like Canada. It, you looked at Canada and it was an all-star team. It was every great player in the NHL at that moment was mostly Canadian. And then the the Team USA team just scrapped and clawed. And it was, but it was the same deal as I'm talking about now. They had Ryan Miller in goal, and Ryan Miller in that tournament might have been the MVP despite getting silver. The decision makers for Team USA just have to get this right. You can't build a team the way you did, remember, in 2016 for the World Cup of Hockey there? They just 
totally screwed up the decision making and it cost them big time because that team was not good enough to compete with most of those countries that they played against to, to be honest. So just for team USA, take the best players. This is the best pool of talent we've seen in quite a while. And I know Canada, I think will have better forwards overall. Their defensive group is also very comparable to team USA, but again, USA has the edge in goal. And I think that might be enough for them to beat Canada. Maybe I have the copium here, but I think the U S could give them quite a fight in that tournament. I mean, and actually again, beat them. it'll come down to goaltending because you look at the Canadian goaltenders right now and there's some good ones there, but there's no, uh, there isn't a truly elite goaltender that's Canadian right now. Aiden Hill, he was good, but is he might be a flash in the pan. Jordan Bennington, not that great anymore. Cam Talbot is not that great. I mean, we have Tristan Jari, who has seemed to have a bounce back year, but he might start. Same- he legitimately might start for them. And then you have Logan Thompson, and maybe if Devin Levi turns into something. But you're right, though. The forwards are where Canada probably has the advantage. When you got it, they could have, they legitimately could have in 2026, Sidney Crosby on the fourth line. And in, he wouldn't be a fourth liner. But then, you know, again, you have Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon. You're going to have Connor McDavid, Sam Reinhart. And that there are a lot of really good players from Canada. I know I'm not breaking any ground with that. My X factor looking at Canada, if he's still playing at a level he's been playing at, is Mark Stone. Mark Stone at the Olympics, which they announced today during their announcement that the Olympic hockey will be played on NHL ice and not Olympic ice. You put Mark Stone in that environment with that kind of team, he's going to be dominant. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, I agree with you on that. But before the Olympics, there will be a four-nation face-off next February. That's actually taking the place of the All-Star game next weekend, and which I'm actually excited about. I, even though I do think... This whole thing is a little bit of a cash grab for those four nations. It sucks that there won't be other nations involved. It's still going to be better to watch this compared to the All-Star Weekend, in my opinion. And how this works, there's going to be seven games from February 20th to February February 12th, excuse me, to February 20th. 23-man rosters, three-game round robin, and the top two teams from there will advance to a one-game winner-take-all final. So that's pretty exciting. It'll be Team USA, Team Canada, Team Sweden and Team Finland. The way I look at this, this is like a really nice appetizer to the main course. Say you go out to a nice restaurant, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to get an order of calamari or something like that. You're like, oh, okay, that was really good. That's going to hold me over to the main course, which is the Olympics, where you're going to have a nice steak dinner, maybe have some lobster mashed potatoes in there or whatever. That's what I'm looking at for those events where you have the Four Nation face-off and then the Olympics. It'll be interesting to see who the U.S. takes for that face-off in 2025. I assume it's going to be pretty close to the roster that they have in 2026. And I'll also be curious to see who coaches that team in 2025 and 2026. If I had to guess right now, I think Mike Sullivan should coach that team in 2025 and 2026. I think right now he's still one of the best coaches in the league. And yeah, I know Penguins fans are a good chunk of them are pretty down on him, but I don't think they're going to take anyone else to coach those USA teams. That's just my opinion. I think it's going to be Mike Sullivan, but still I'm excited to watch that 2025 for nation face-off, even though, again, I think at the end of the day, it's a little bit of a cash grab and I wish there were more countries being involved there, but I'll still take that again compared to the all-star weekend. I can't remember the timeline and I'm sure comment commenters will remember. Cause I can't remember who tweeted it, but 
I don't know if they're going to have, I think they're going to have a 2027 world cup after the Olympics. And if I, if here's how I see this, I, I like the idea of doing the four nations thing next year as kind of a welcome back to international best on best in the hockey world, but they have to land the plane correctly in 2027. If that's again, if that's the year where what you would do in my opinion there is you have to work closely with the IIHF to actually make it a world cup and have six, seven, maybe eight countries in it because Obviously, it's not the world championships. Obviously, it's not the Olympics. It's not the world juniors. But if you want to have a legitimate World Cup, the 2016 one was all well and fun. We all loved Team North America, U23, which was a ton of fun. Don't get me wrong. Love that team. I watched that overtime winner game a lot because it was some of the best hockey I've ever seen played. Also, it is a 2028 World Cup. And then I believe they're trying to be in, in 2032 as well. That's even better because then you have more lead time, but you should make this a legitimate world cup. It should be multiple nations. It should be obviously the U S Canada, Sweden, Russia. If they're allowed to participate, depending on what the IIHF decides, you should have Sweden, Finland. And if there's a team that surprises in the Olympics or at the world championships over the next few years, Get them in there as well. I know the NHL wants to make it more of an NHL marketing thing, but if you can expand your talent pool and get more eyes and even have an underdog go on a run in this tournament, it's going to grow your brand and your sport, especially if you're the one covering it. So I want to see an actual World Cup by then. Obviously not actual because you're not going to have you know 20 teams and everything, but there should be close to 10 teams or more in this thing when it kicks off in 28. I agree. And I think they'll be able to work out the kinks from the four nation face off next year, heading into the Olympics where they should be fine. And then after that, if there are any other kinks, I guess there shouldn't be for the Olympics. You can fine tune those as well for the world cup of hockey. And then the next Olympics in 2030 and then the world cup of hockey in 2032 as well. And yeah, as for Russia, the IIHF is going to make a decision on whether they're going to participate in the Olympics in 2026 at a later date. So we'll have to see what happens with that when it comes to Evgeny Malkin from the Penguins and then obviously all the other Russian players in the NHL as well. But exciting times. Best on best competition is coming back. First time the NHL is going to the Olympics in 12 years and it'll be the first best on best international competition in 2025 for the first time in nine years. So we should have had this quite a few times, I feel like, between 2016 and now. But Pat, I'm just glad that we're getting this once again because this is so much fun to watch. It's it's huge because it really is the best hockey because and you can get new people who don't really follow the NHL into this sport. I remember when I was in high school, the last time the NHL went to the Olympics, people were watching that game in my English class, going like, "Wow, this is actually quite a, a lot of fun to watch." I'm like, "Yeah, you should see these players play in the NHL." This gets casual fans into your league, considering what they're going to do on an international competition. Well, I always point to the 1992 Dream Team from Team USA that had all the NBA stars in it. And obviously that's a little bit different because basketball's in the Summer Olympics. That's the offseason. But the they didn't send those guys over there just because te- they the, the main purpose obviously was to get Team USA a gold. But the main reason they were there was to make basketball in the NBA a global brand for people who aren't in the United States and Canada 
more fa- bigger fans of the NBA. And that's what that team went over there and did, along with being the best team on the court and winning a gold medal, basically sleepwalking to it. They were ambassadors throughout that whole Olympic event. They were in the public eye almost the entire time. And it got people interested in watching the NBA when it came back. And you can do something very similar with the Winter Olympics. And I know owners and GMs don't want their players to get hurt in season. It's a totally understandable concern, but that's a short-term worry when you can make a long-term gain because we all know outside of figure skating in the Winter Olympics, hockey's what everybody watches. It's the most popular event. So I'm pretty sure the last event of the Winter Olympics is the men's hockey gold medal game. So if that's the case, as the NHL, you should look at that as this is our chance to send our guys over there and build our brand and make them ambassadors and get more people who might not otherwise watch the NHL start to watch the NHL. And then when you do that, other countries start getting interested in hockey. They start building hockey programs. And all of a sudden, you have guys from countries you never expected coming to play in the National Hockey League. You couldn't have said it any better, to be honest. It, it just it makes all the sense in the world for so many reasons. And I'm just glad that we're getting this back. But that'll do it for the second segment. Coming up to end the show, Sidney Crosby, who was going to play in the All-Star game on Saturday, skipped the draft on Thursday, even though he was taken number one by Nathan McKinnon. But it was in the most Sydney Crosby way possible. Pat and I are going to discuss that right after this. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Gamp. So, Pat, instead of Sidney Crosby being at the All-Star Draft on Thursday, where was he? Oh, he was getting in a skate in Montana before the All-Star game, outdoors, just preparing for the quote-unquote unofficial second half of the NHL regular season, making sure that he is ready to go as the Penguins will really get their playoff push into high gear after this week, this weekend because the Penguins will be back in action on Tuesday against the Winnipeg Jets. As I've said it 5,000 times already on the show, that is the most Sidney Crosby thing possible, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the thing I will say that was really, really awesome, and I think that, you know, similar to taking the skate in Montana – it, it speaks to the guy that Sidney Crosby is when he was drafted. Obviously he's not there. He's in Montana doing whatever it is he's doing away from skating. There was a little Timbits player in his Jersey that got to go accept being drafted onto that team. And that kid got to skate up to Nathan McKinnon, <clears throat> excuse me, and represent Sidney Crosby like that. And, and you know, he had a hand in that because he is, very much involved with Tim Bits hockey. So that w- that was a really cool gesture by him. No, I-, I agree with you. And seeing the look on that kid's face when he got to come out after Sid got picked, that was just awesome to, to say the least. Yeah, but 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 the, the Montana thing and and you, you would think like, oh, he goes out to a place like Montana where it's going to be very cold and mountainous and he can skate outside. He's going to be enjoying this with his girlfriend and family. Nope, there he is, full gear. He's skating laps. He's stick handling through pucks. He's working on his shot release. Taking one timers. It was just, it was the most Crosby thing ever. That, that's that's someone who, again, is just, I think, addicted to the sport. And this one, I mean, you have to be. You're a professional hockey player. But the fact that you're, not at the draft and you're doing that. I mean, in a way kind of shows where his priorities are at this point in the season. I mean, yeah, he's probably at least a little bit excited about going to the all-star 
festivities, but he's definitely a lot more invested in getting this team back to the playoffs after the Penguins missed last year, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, and and, and I, I kind of love that in a, in a sort of subtle way, he's saying by doing that, he's like, listen, I know I have to be here, but I will be there when I have to be there. Right. I'm not going a second earlier. A sick part of me just wants him to like, quote unquote, skip it. But then I think you have, don't you have that one game suspension that you would have yeah, to serve he, if you did skip it, Pat? As far as I know, if you skip the all-star game without an injury, you are suspended for the first game back out of the break. So he would be suspended on Tuesday against the Jets and they kind of need him against that team. Yeah, yeah they, they kind of need him for, for that game considering how good Winnipeg is this year. So again, I know a sick part of me wants him to not go, but Again, he kind of has to because the Penguins have to bank points after the All-Star break, yes. to say the least. But unless you have anything else to add on Sidney Crosby, just being himself in Montana, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to slash watch this episode. Pat and I will be back with another show for you all on Monday to get you all set for the game against the Jets. And we'll get you all set for the games next week in general, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. This team will finally be back in action as the full race of the playoffs begins this next week, guys. It's, it's going to get good. February, it's a little light on games, but the Penguins, I think, will take that considering how busy March is going to get. Hey, buckle up and join us, Penguins fans. We are going to go on a fast and bumpy ride to the Stanley Cup playoffs, so we hope you'll join us for it. This is going to be fun, and I know if they make the playoffs, we'll have some great playoff content for you all as well. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We'll be back with another episode for you all on Monday.